Welcome to the Bookworm Collective. This episode, we'll be discussing the books that we have read in the last month. So as we are in our second week of April, we are going to discuss some of the books that we have read last month while also talking about um, how to pick books to read and how we are managing our current reads. So we are going to start with picking books to read. When it comes to picking a book out, you can have a wide variety of ways to do it, but Anderson and I do tend to kind of follow a very similar method that seems to work for us, but you know, find out what works for you. We just wanted to share so you had an idea of how we pick books. So the first thing that Anderson and I do is we tend to pick a genre that we want to read, just kind of whatever we're feeling in the mood for, or maybe we just finished a book, we want to read something similar to that. Usually a genre is a good way to kind of hone your direction down so you have an idea of what you want to read, and then you can kind of find books that will fit that. Yeah, and another thing that we like to consider while picking books is how much time we like to invest. So sometimes we're just in the mood for something short and quick, or we feel like diving into a book that is maybe towards 800 pages. And that also kind of goes along with standalone or series. So do you want to delve into a whole new realm where there are multiple books covering um, covering all sorts of characters and having many plot lines? Or do you just want something that you kind of have to enjoy and you don't have to think about as many things throughout the entire book? And by doing this, it will help you enjoy reading a little bit more and make it a little bit more exciting for you to pick up those books. This is definitely something that I have used very recently when picking a book is figuring out how long I want to be reading something and when I'm ready to mix things up. So I recently knew that I wanted to read something a little bit shorter because I wanted to get to a new book quicker. So I was considering reading Dune, which is a very, very long book. And I decided not to read it. And instead, I ended up reading Charlie and the Chocolate Factory instead because Charlie and Chocolate Factory is really short. And I knew it would kind of give me the opportunity to switch to something um, totally new. And Anderson actually ended up reading that book with me. Yeah, so I... I read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory while we were prepping to go to a family vacation, and I ended up really liking it, and I I liked how convenient it was because at the time I was actually reading, I had actually started Dune, but while packing I couldn't read that, and also it took a lot to focus on that at the same time. So Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was just an easier book to read. I think that with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory being a book that a lot of people know the story to, especially because there's some fairly popular movies, it gets talked a lot about, it's an easy book to kind of go through where you don't have to think about it a ton because you already know the story for the most part. So 
I was reading it while I was working on a personal project and was really enjoying it and just, you know, told Anderson, I was like, hey, the audiobook for this is really good. And since you know the story, you might not have to think about it that much. So it could, you know, um, allow you to keep reading a story, but not one that you really, really have to think on. And it's pretty short. So that was um, really nice and kind of allowed me to get to a new book faster. Something to consider with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is it is technically a series. There's a second book, um, Charlie in the Glass Elevator. And so if you're looking for something that's a little bit more, but you want to have like a break in between, you know, a series might be really, really helpful there. And in this particular scenario, I wasn't really ready to read the second book. So I haven't started the second book yet, but maybe in like a couple weeks, if I'm looking for something else really quick, it's like, oh, I've already started this story, so maybe I'll finish it out. But I think Anderson actually decided to do it faster. Yeah, so one of the books that I read this month after I read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was Charlie and the Glass Elevator. It was very similar to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in length, It had a completely different story that you wouldn't really expect after reading Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but it was still interesting. I found this book to be a little repetitive in the end just because there were a lot of weird things happening, but then it just, they couldn't, the author couldn't like write themselves out of their loop. So they're just trying to make it a little bit longer and I just got tired of reading it eventually, but I did finish it out and I did think it was good. I just wish that it was a little shorter. So I decided to give this book three worms, which is our rating system. So I'm just going to go ahead and dive into what our book rating scale is so that you guys know what what it is. We decided to set up this rating scale because we just wanted to make sure we were comparing everything similarly across as we're suggesting books to you. And, you know, I actually think that this has been really helpful when you're trying to figure out whether you liked a book or not and not just end up being like, oh, yeah, that book was okay. Well, I'll just give it five worms, you know. So one worm is that we did not finish and we found it impossible to pick up. It was also absolutely awful and that we would never read it again or suggest, and we would only think about it only to recall how bad it was. Two worms is that you finished the book, but you still found it kind of hard to pick it up, and you didn't really enjoy it. You're probably not going to read this book again, and you're never going to think about it again. Three worms was that we finished the book, and we thought, and you thought it was okay. You would most likely not read it again, and you might suggest it to your friends or coworkers. And then you would also only think about it if if it was mentioned. For Four Worms, you've finished the book. You found it kind of difficult to put the book down, so you highly enjoyed it, and you might read it again. And if somebody was interested in the topic already, you definitely would suggest it. But overall, you're still not going to think about this book very often. And then lastly, we have five worms, which is you finished the book and you found it impossible to put down. You thoroughly enjoyed it and you would definitely read it again and you would definitely suggest it to your friend. And this would also be a book that you think about very frequently. So as I said, I rated Charlie and the Glass Elevator three worms, mostly because of the repetitiveness. And I just 
like, I don't really think about Charlie and the Glass Elevator when I'm thinking about recommending a book to a friend. And I think it's kind of funny that, Anderson, that's what you took away from it. Because overall, I think that a lot of people forget this book exists. And actually, when you mentioned to me, like, oh, yeah, I actually picked up the second book. I was like, there's a second book? And as soon as you said, like, oh, yeah, it's Charlie and the Glass Elevator. I was like, you know, I've heard of that, but I haven't read it. So I think a lot of people forget that that book exists. The funny thing is, is that I didn't even know that this book existed until after I finished Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, because in Libby, it said that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was number one in the series. So then I scrolled down beneath um, the little blurb they have about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and it had Charlie and the Glass Elevator as its sequel. Oh, that's great. And I found that really interesting. Yeah, I, I really like that in Libby, they number the things in the series. I don't know how many times I'm looking through a book app, and I'm like, in Audible, I'm trying to figure out, like, is this like the second or third book? Or like, where does it fall in the series? And then I end up having to like Google it or find some website. I've had to do that so many times with the Foundation series. Yeah, that one could be a little bit confusing. So on the topic of Libby, we want to talk about how we keep track of books that we want to read. And there's a ton of ways you can do this. And for me, I have found that apps are the best way for me to keep track of that, especially because I don't tend to read physical books. This kind of gives me a good way to have like a long list that I can figure out what I want to read. And a lot of times I have a pretty lengthy list. So when it comes time to figure out what I actually want to pick up and read next, I don't really have to think about it very much. I scroll through my list of like 10 to 15 books and just pick one. So some of the apps that I have found very helpful for this are Goodreads, Bookly, TBR, or using Libby tags, or you could just write some down in your like notes app on your phone. For me, I think that TBR has worked the best. I like the layout of it. It's very simple and I don't need all the extra features that come with Goodreads or Bookly where they like kind of suggest more books because I tend to just kind of go out on my own and find new ones anyway. So TBR has kind of been the most simple way to do it. And it also gives me the ability to manage what I've already read in the year and kind of give books a rating if I need to um, keep track of that and just see what books did I like. On the other hand, since I use physical, since I read with physical books more often than digital books, I have a dedicated bookshelf for all of the books that I want to read. So I line them up in the order that I think I want to read them. And then when I'm done with the book, I just have to pick the next one off the shelf. And that most likely is going to be the book that I read next. Unless if I just don't feel like starting that book yet, then I just go to the next one. And then another thing with physical books is that sometimes you can't own a physical copy of a book until you get it ordered or you go to a bookstore to actually go get it. So for non-owned copies of books, I like to use um, I like to use a website wishlist specifically on bookshop.org, which is a website that supports independent bookstores when you make an order. And that's a nice way to both support independent bookstores as well as keep track of the books that you like. I also like to make note cards with book titles on them and just mix it in with the bookshelf and then I will either pick up that book 
at a Barnes and Nobles or order it online, or I'll find a, digi- a digital copy of that on Libby to borrow. What I think is interesting about the way Anderson and I keep track of books that's kind of different is for Anderson, he lines up like an order that he wants to read them. So choose like, I'm going to read book one, two, three, four. Whereas for me, I just have like a list of just like, here's random books. And whenever I finish a book, I kind of decide right then and there in the moment and go, this is what I'm going to read. Part of the reason that I do it the way that I do, where it's kind of like all loose and I don't figure out the order, is because I borrow most of my audiobooks off of Libby. And so if those have a hold or, you know, whatever, like depending on my borrowing window, I might not be able to get it in that exact moment. Whereas for Anderson, he has a lot of physical books. So they're already like right there and he's not worried that like somebody's going to be borrowing it. And his bookshelf is like, is like a mile long anyway, so... Yeah, I do think one of the hardest things to do when you're trying to keep track of what books that you want to read is figuring out how to read series. Because depending on how good the first book is and then the subsequent books in the series, you know, you might want to like read through the series even faster or maybe you kind of spread it out. So I do think that's one of the things that's kind of difficult. For me, I had actually started a series called The Inheritance Games and I did that like maybe in February. And I thought I was going to like really spread these out. And then I read the first book. I really liked it. It was very good. So I was like, I oh, man, I'm going to read these super close together. And then I read the second book right away, but it took like a month and a half for me to get the third book. So in the month of March, I actually finished the third book in the Inheritance Game series, which is called um, Final Gambit. This book is kind of like a mystery book, but it's not a murder mystery book, which I found kind of interesting. It's very much about puzzles and games, so you don't always like know the answer. There's not even a way that you really could figure it out, but it kind of leaves you on your toes really trying to figure out where is the book going to go next, and I really enjoyed that. And the concept is um, it's done very, very well. So there's a billionaire that's passed away and he has given his entire fortune away to a complete stranger. And so throughout these three books, the stranger is basically trying to figure out why did the billionaire pick her to give the money to? And uh, it's really interesting. I really enjoyed it. And so I would have to say on a rating scale, I gave it a four worm rating. Yeah. And to kind of go off of what Harrison was saying about reading series is that I haven't really found a good way to read series that I like because you kind of have to decide after the first book if you want to just crush the entire series and get it done with and like you just want to stay in that realm or if you want to take breaks in between the books because they're very intensive and I want to say that I like to take breaks in between the books but most of the time I just have to read straight through the series or else I won't truly focus on the book that I'm truly reading that isn't a part of that series. I do think it's interesting when you read series straight through versus give them gaps, like some of the things that you pick up on, like, cause the story's really fresh in your mind. So you, you know, remember all of those little details. But when you have like a really long series, so like Anderson mentioned the Foundation series, which is a series of like seven books, and they're all pretty long. If you try to do them all back to back, you end up with like a humongous book that you need to read, essentially. Whereas kind of the benefit of a series is that 
it has logical, easy places to spit it up, to split it up where you can kind of mix what you're reading. So it's definitely something that's hard to deal with. And then you also have to deal with the fact of like, what if like the first and second book were really good? And then the third book wasn't as good. So you're like, hmm, it was okay, but I don't think I'm going to finish the series. And honestly, that's something I have a really hard time doing. Most of the time, if I pick a book up and it's in the series, I'm finishing that whole series, no matter how bad it is. So another thing that people can struggle about with reading books is how to manage their current reads. And Harrison and I both have very similar ideas about managing current reads, but since Harrison is more digital, there there's not as much breakup in between things. So for me, I try not to read multiple physical books at a time or a digital or a digital book that I'm reading not listening to. So if I do that, I try to use one physical book for my everyday reading that I always carry with me and then I then I always have a digital book sometime well sometimes I have a digital book for when I'm traveling and then I listen to one audiobook for the tasks that don't require thinking very hard such as packing for a family vacation I think that um, in general, it's a good practice not to read multiple books at once. It's really hard to enjoy more than one book at a time and keep everything straight. And I think that even if you end up with more than one book going at the same time, what ends up happening is there's one that you really like and one that you're like, oh, it's okay. So you just favor picking up the other one that you like. And then when you read the one that is not really your favorite at the moment, you just spend the entire time going like, maybe I should be reading the other. So I definitely try to avoid reading multiple books at once. And for me, since I only really read in one scenario and that's through audiobooks, I don't really have to think about like how many physical, how many digital, how many audiobooks. And I also have a very different scenario, whereas like Anderson is still in school. So often Anderson has to read a book for school and I'm not in school, so I don't have to read any books. Um, so anything that I'm reading, it's because I chose to read it. So I don't really have to balance that too. So to go off of what Harrison said about me having to read some school books, uh, I did have to read a school book that I did find more enjoyable than the other school books that I've read. And that book was Kindred by Octavia Butler. So I thought that this book was really good, but the, I think the main reason I found it really good was because the prologue was very confusing. So I just skipped all the way to the last chapter, not the epilogue. And I read the last chapter first, and that kind of motivated me to read the rest of the book. And that is something... That is an awful way. Don't don't <laughs> read a book that way. Well, see, I agree with that, but since I had to read it for school, I had to do it that way, or else I would have just not... Or else I would have waited to read all, like, the chapter, the set of chapters that I was supposed to have done the day before that it was due. So it made it easier for me in the long run, practically, but I've never read any book like that except for Kindred. So 
There's a lot of people that like to read books that way, where they read the very last chapter or the last page and just kind of figure out what's going on. And I just, I can't really do it that way. And I'm not like crazy about like, I don't want any spoilers. Like it's okay if there's some here and there, but I really think that most of the time when you read a book, you know how it's going to end for the most part. Yeah. You know, you know what the goal is and the goal is probably going to be achieved. And so it's all about the path on how they get there. But you kind of can figure that out right from the beginning. And if you kind of skip to the end, some of those things that are like the little steps in between could kind of be given away. And I don't think I'd be crazy about that. Yeah. I would agree with that. But I I just had to do it this way for this one book. <laughs> I really did enjoy reading this book that way because it just made me more excited to find out why one character did something in the story. There was a really major event at the end of the book, and I needed to figure out why that ca- character had to do that. So it encouraged me to read in this scenario. So that was kind of one of the main reasons why I thought it was really good. With that, I would say, though, that if you're going to read multiple books at the same time, you do need to make sure you break it up so that kind of things are different. So whether that means like you go to a completely another location when you read one book or maybe you do it at a completely different time, you just kind of need something in your mind to keep it separate so that you're not like, what book did that happen in? And definitely like this would be a huge deal if you're reading more than one book in the same genre. Like I don't even know how you're going to keep it straight. Yeah, for that. For that, it would be very important that the books are completely different. So, like like I said before with Dune and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, they were both, like, I was reading both of them at the same time, but Dune is definitely a sci-fi book, but Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is just a book talking about a kid who got a golden ticket to go tour uh, a chocolate factory. Yeah, it's not like you're trying to read Dune and like a Star Wars book at the exact same time. Because I think that that would get complicated very fast. Yeah. So going back to Kindred, I gave this book four four worms mostly because I, I don't think I would think about it. And also a big thing that really bothered me throughout this book is that the whole concept is that the main character has to go back in time to prevent her great-great-grandfather from dying, but it was set in the modern time that the main character lived in was 1987, and time travel still hadn't been invented yet. So the whole concept of having to go back in time to save her great-great-great-grandfather just didn't make sense because she was already born. So that was just one thing that really bothered me about the plot, and I know that's very technical, but if you ignore that, then it's still a really good book. (laughs) Yeah, and and you said that you would read it again, and that's because since you skipped to the very end, basically the first time you read it, you were reading it again. Yeah. 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 (laughs) There are a lot of people that that's how they read. There actually was somebody that I went to school with that he read the entire Harry Potter series 
backwards. So the first book he read in Harry Potter was book seven, and then he read six, then five, then four, then three, then two, then one. And don't read the books that way. Like I, I just don't think that would be the most enjoyable way to read those. So I, I would not suggest it. I think that'd be an interesting way to read that series because you kind of just like, you're very confused when you first start that it just makes more sense as you go down. But I think I would find the first two books to be very boring. Yeah, I think book one and two would be a little bit boring if you if you decided to read them that way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so um, that kind of covers like most of our like picking a book and keeping track of books that you want to read. Um, but so another book that I have read in this month that I've really been enjoying and Anderson mentioned that we took a family vacation um, down to Florida and we actually stopped at the Kennedy Space Center while we were there. And so one of my favorite things to do when you're at a location where a gift shop has books is to just take a picture of all the books that they have. And then I usually later go look up like each of the books and see if there was anything that I wanted to read because maybe I didn't want to buy it at the bookstore or whatever reason because I didn't want to lug it around all day or whatever. And so one of the books that we saw while we were at the Kennedy Space Center was Apollo 8 and I decided that I would read it. So I borrowed it through the library and I have really, really enjoyed that book. It kind of covers the history of the Apollo 8 mission, but it also covers the kind of life of Frank Borman, who was the commander on Apollo 8. And while it tells this story of everything that happens on Apollo 8 and what led up to it, it kind of covers a lot of what happened in Frank Borman's life and some of the events that led him to be there for Apollo 8, but also just what was going on in history at that time. And I just thought it was really, really good. And I ended up giving this book a five warm rating, which is not something that I do very often. So I, I really enjoyed this. I'm sure I will be picking it up again sometime in the future. Another book that I read in this past month was The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. This book was very different from what I normally read. I like to read more of sci-fi and fantasy books, but this book was considered more as a thriller book, even though while I was reading it, I thought it was nonfiction for a while. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> I must not have known very much about it to start. No. It's definitely not nonfiction. Yeah, I've although it is it is like an older book, you know, like that's kind of the reason why I thought it was nonfiction, because it was older, because that's just how my that's what my brain immediately immediately went to. It just thought old books are nonfiction. So Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I walked into this not really knowing anything about the book. I was just like okay, this is the book that I'm going to try to read during this time. It might be boring, but we got to push through it. And it was actually a really short book. And the more that you got into the book, the more interesting it became. Once I realized it was not nonfiction, I thought of it more as a mystery book. So at the end of the book, you got to see how everything tied together and I really liked that but I don't normally like mystery books because mystery books can be very thick because they pro like they give you so many little details and it just becomes very boring throughout the book but this book was only in listening hours it's probably three hours total so I don't know how many pages it was because I read it on Libby and 
that's just not something I think about. But Harrison told me it was about three hours. So I was like, oh, that's pretty short. So I found this book to be enjoyable to read, but I did get it three worms because it's not something that I would immediately suggest to someone. But if they're like, yeah, I want to read an older book that is kind of mysterious, I'd be like, oh, this is a good book that I read and it doesn't, it's not too intensive or um, you don't really have to think very hard about it. Yeah, and Anderson uh, picked this book up because it was supposed to be the book that we read in March. And I ended up with this time period where I just had like a ton of books on my Libby bookshelf that were about to expire. So I haven't gotten around to reading it yet, but it's definitely going to be on there. But first, I have to finish our book of the month for April. That is going to bring us to the end of this episode. Remember that we will discuss our April book, The Kingdom of Fantasy by Geronimo Stilton on April 26th. You can find The Bookworm Collective on Instagram at the underscore bookworm collective and on Facebook at The Bookworm Collective. Feel free to message us what you're currently reading and your thoughts on April's book. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.